Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. Church, it's so good to see so many of you here today. It is an exciting Sunday for us. Um, As you all know that um, six people from our church will be being baptized today between our 9 o'clock and our 11 o'clock service. So can we just give God glory for that? Would you put your hands together? We're so excited that our young people are taking this step of faith. Um, You guys can go ahead and bring that up. Um, And why don't you right now turn to your family. If you haven't had a chance to say it all week, why don't you tell them that you love them and that you're so grateful that you are here with them. I know sometimes our weeks are so filled, they're so packed, And we don't have a chance to just look at our loved ones, the most important people in our life, and tell them, yo, I love you. I'm so grateful for you. Amen? I just heard pastor say, I love you, to Pastor Auntie. Amen, amen. That's a word of the Lord right there. (laughs) I hope it was Auntie. Okay. (laughs) Open your Bibles, Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, open your Bibles this morning. We're going to continue our series of Walk by Faith. This is our fourth week in the series Walk by Faith. Actually, when I thought about it, it's actually more than four talks. It's actually four plus 21 talks. We have, our entire fasting prayer has been about this topic of walking by faith. So now you've heard almost 25 different sermons on walking by faith. So Acts chapter 5. And I just want to thank the church. You know, in the past month in January, I've, I've been preaching in, in several locations through Zoom. I've asked for your prayers. And there have been moments where my words just felt so anointed in those different conferences. And I believe it's because I have a church praying for me. So thank you for that. And I ask that you continue to pray for Pastor myself, Pastor Ruben, as the Lord gives us opportunity to minister in different places because we want to build the body of Christ around the world. Amen. What a joy it's been for this past 21 days, Uh, 21 days of worship, 21 days of intercession, 21 days of abstaining from food, which uh, the Lord has definitely helped me in that regard, 21 days of hearing from scripture, 21 days of being encouraged to walk by faith and not by sight. I don't know about you, but I am filled. I feel like our church has gone through a feast. Pastor has brought some of the best communicators um, from India and all over the world to communicate God's word in Malayalam to us. And even though my Malayalam is poor, I will still be able to glean some nuggets of truth during that time. But I am left with an important question. After all of this investment of faith in our life, what now? What do we do now? In Acts chapter 5, I'm going to continue in this idea of what do we do now? I'm haunted by the question of people investing so much into us, the seed of faith. Does it change us? Does it make us act differently for the rest of the year? Will hearing their stories and stories of scripture inspire us to do things differently this year? You see, one of the big tactics of society is that after you hear God's word, you will deem that it is good, and that is all. 
It was good. It was nice. And you're going to keep it to yourself, and nothing more is needed. Society encourages you, though, to keep that faith a private thing, relegated to the closed doors of your home, relegated to the buildings that have been structured together that we call churches. Society says to keep it private. But it also encourages you to share your pictures, your thoughts, your videos on things that we once deemed private into the public sphere. For example, it'll tell you, yeah, put up all the videos of all the time you spent with your kids online. Show everyone your last vacation. Show the dinner party that you had for a few friends. Tell everybody your relationship status. What is society teaching us? It tells us to take something like faith and keep it private and take all the private details of your life and make it public. Here's the incredible snare, temptation, trap of the enemy in that method of living. The faith that is supposed to be public in your life, you will now make private, and it becomes fake, and it dies. And the family life that you're supposed to keep private, you make public, and it becomes manicured and fake online, and it also dies. Interesting what happens to our life when we live like this. Our faith becomes fake, and it dies, and even our family life becomes fake and manicured and dies. But the whole time, we feel good about it because all our friends are liking it. But church, I have an important declaration to make to us. Faith is personal, but it is never private. Faith is personal, but it is never private. What will you do with the faith that has been deposited in you for 21 days? Who are you becoming? What is growing inside of you because of the faith, the scripture that has been placed in your life? Because faith is personal, It is never private. Let's enter the text, Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 12. I'm going to read a story to you about the apostles. Follow along with me, Acts chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers met together in Solomon's colonnade. No one dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them and as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Verse 17, then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during that night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them all out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people about this new life. At daybreak, they entered into the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach all the people in public. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin and the full assembly of the elders of Israel and sent, and sent them to the jail for the apostles. But upon arriving, the officers did not find anybody there. So they went back and reported, we found that the jail is locked. And the guards are standing at the door, but when we opened it, we found nobody inside. Verse 24, on hearing the report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest, they were at a total loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, 
The men that you put in jail, they are now standing in the temple courts teaching to the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and appeared before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name anymore, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. Amen. This text continues, and I will teach it as we continue. There are three things from this text that stand out to me, but Luke the doctor is trying to teach us out of the book of Acts. Three important things about walking by faith. Number one, in verse 12 through 16, our faith is demonstrated. Our faith must be demonstrated. Number two, in verse 17 through 28, our faith may be disruptive. It may be disruptive. And number three, Verse 29 through 42, our faith is daring. Our faith is daring. So faith is demonstrated. Faith is disruptive, and faith is daring. The main idea I want to get across to you today is though our faith is personal, it must never be private. Amen? Verse 12 through 16, our faith must be demonstrated. The text opens by showing the faith of the apostles is demonstrated in front of people every single day of their normal life. The key phrase here is among them. I know there's a popular game called Among Us, but this is among them. They practice, demonstrated their faith among people. Because they walked by faith, verse 12, you'll see signs and wonders manifested around them. Because they walked by faith, they were not afraid to meet in the public square in Solomon's porch. Verse 13, because they walked by faith, people highly regarded them for the community that they built. In verse 14, because they walked by faith, many people, men and women, were added to the kingdom, meaning evangelism was explosive and effective. Verse 15, they, because they walked by faith, they didn't even need Peter to touch people. His shadow was enough to heal people. That's how much faith they had. Because they walked by faith in verse 17, it goes to tell you that it's not just Jerusalem, but all the surrounding area was impacted by their faith. Essentially what I'm saying is their faith was so strong that it was more than Farmer's Branch. It was the entire DFW Metroplex shaped and awakened, impacted by their faith. Do you see what happens when people actually in society demonstrate their faith? Signs and wonders, worship in public places, favor among people, evangelism, the sick are healed, and there's exponential impact across the city. You know, I know I work with several friends who are church strategists, church consultants. I think that's an interesting trade to have a church strategist. They try to produce these same results, and they'll tell me how you do that. I say, how do you do that, brother? How do you do that, sister? You build bigger parking lots. You make your children's ch church like a clubhouse. You create flashy promotions. And you know what? All of that is good, but they are using so many tactics, so many grand novel ideas when all you really need is people living by faith. All you need is real people in real places really living out their faith. I just need some real people going to some real places 
really living out their faith, and this is the impact you'll see. You know, I'm reminded of a story of a young boy a few years ago. We have a tradition in the United States where students uh, at their school gather around the, the flag of our country, and they pray for the country, and it's called see you at the pole. You know, if you don't know what it is, talk to your children about it. There was this boy who got to the pole at his uh, middle school a few minutes early because he, he wanted to pray with his friends. And, and he looked around. By the time he got there, he was shocked to see there was nobody there. He looked at his watch, and it was, it was time to start the program. Still, nobody was there. So then he worried, and he thought, maybe today is not the day. It's a wrong day to come to the pole. But he checked. It's actually, today is the day for praying at the flagpole. He looked around and around, and he walked up to the pole alone, and he decided, I'm just going to have to pray. He started to pray, and he thought, maybe I'll just pray for people to join me. Maybe somebody will show up so I don't have to pray by myself. Eventually, he realized no one is coming. So then the cry of this little boy's heart changed. He asked that God would do something with him standing there alone. God, I pray for all my friends in my classes and their families. I pray for all the kids at my school. Would you call us to truly love you, to make our faith a priority? Without him knowing, a few teachers realized when they saw him standing there that today was the day to pray at the pole. Instead of joining him, they decided to take photos of him and place it online. And they began to tell people how convicted they were that they forgot. Before this child got back to his house that day, that photo had been circulated pretty much all over the world in every single platform. When he got home, his mother showed him the phone. Do you see, son? You are everywhere. And all he could say was, Mom, when I was praying, the verse that came to me was, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. I don't care if I'm on that picture, but may Jesus be lifted up. The mom started crying and, and said, son, I, I must have done something right. And, he said, and she said, I don't know if I, you, we did anything extraordinary because we're just real people just doing the right thing. Church, I'm not asking you to do anything extraordinary. I'm just asking you to live your real faith in front of real people in real places. Faith demonstrated is not a huge concept. It's just something that we do. Church, I feel strongly to say this to you. This is not a year to repeat 2020. We are not called to maintain and to keep it easy, to keep it safe. God is asking each and every one of you, no matter what your age or gender, to demonstrate your faith this year. Faith must be demonstrated because faith without works is dead. Faith is active. It is alive. It changes the surroundings when you practice it. You know, I hear a lot of people, young people come and tell me, Pastor, I can't demonstrate our faith because of all these traditions. Traditions. Traditions hold us back. Actually, that's not true. Traditions are good. It's actually traditionalism that is holding us back. What is the difference? Faith. Faith is the difference. You see, traditions are the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. I have no problem taking on traditions. 
to live on the missionary spirit of my grandfather in my days. I have no problem teaching the Bible like my grandmother did in her lifetime. I have no problem seeing Hindus come to faith in the surroundings that they lived in in India. I have no problem carrying on that tradition, but I do have a problem carrying around traditionalism, which is the dead faith of alive people. Church, we cannot stand for traditionalism. Legalism is most active when our faith is dead. So let us awaken our faith. Let us demonstrate our faith and put aside any kind of traditionalism and actually live on in tradition. Take risk like the ancestors before us in this country and see the gospel go forth. Stop making excuses and invite your friends to church. Stop making excuses and start praying for your coworker instead of gossiping with them. Stop making excuses and right there and then invite your non-Christian friends to follow Jesus. Take action this year. Don't be filled with 21 days of scripture and never take action on it. We must be a church that demonstrates our faith. Amen? If just this auditorium alone did that, not even our whole church, we will see a great change in our city. Why? Because faith is personal, but it is never private. Amen? Number two, verse 17, faith is disruptive. If we live like this, I need to warn you. If some of you take me seriously, I need to warn you. You will be disruptive everywhere you go. The status quo and the spirit of God, they are not friends. Keeping things easy, making things safe and risk-free is not the attitude of the Holy Spirit. Sure, the Holy Spirit loves order, but he does not always keep up status quo. The Spirit of God is dynamic, life-giving. It changes things. It's constantly wooing people, bringing new life everywhere it goes. The Spirit of God has no problem shattering old paradigms and ideas in order to bring life into his community. Therefore, in this text, these disciples, they are experiencing such new life that it is shattering status quo everywhere they go. People are hearing the gospel like right in the middle of the city. People are being healed right in the middle of traffic. I mean, things are happening that's disrupting the status quo of the city. But I will tell you one thing. There will be a group. There will be people that will not like that. Those that love status quo. Those that love traditionalism and legalism. They will be disrupted because of that faith. See, the thing about faith is no matter who encounters faith, something will happen to you. Either you will come to life as the spirit disrupts, or you will do your best to resist that disruption. But you cannot walk away unaffected. The Holy Spirit says, welcome to my beautiful disruption in your church, in your life, in this city. For example, some of you might have a beautiful house. Everything is so manicured and perfect. And then a toddler shows up in your house. You didn't know your friend was bringing their small child as soon as you see that little thing walk in, he starts walking around. Things are now disheveled. Things are out of place. That little boy might even break something in your house. Oh no, status quo is ruined. But friends, the joy of seeing a toddler come to life and fill your space with sound and wonder, that is what we're after. The status quo says keep everything the same. The Spirit of God said, I don't care about it keeping the same. I want new life to come into the place. 
The high priests, they hated the new life. They wanted to keep everything the same, so they got jealous. They resisted people. They mocked people. They ridiculed people. They even imprisoned the apostles. They even resorted to violence and beat them because of the new life they were bringing. You see, status quo wants to control the mission of God. Legalism wants to control the mission of God. I have news for us. We cannot control the mission of God. We can only commit to the mission of God. So whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do is what we do. Amen? Church, I want to believe that we're going to shatter some of our status quos this year. I believe he wants to do it because he loves us, not because he's doing it out of judgment. I think that there has been a seed planted in many of you these 21 days, and it's starting to grow in your life. You're starting to get new ideas, new hopes, new vision, new plans. Now, are you going to resist that, or are you going to let it come to life? Are you going to let it be disruptive in your life for a good reason? Pastor, Pastor, myself, Pastor Ruben, we've been praying. We've been asking God, what is 2021 about? I, don't, I do not want to repeat 2020. I will not repeat 2020. I want to do something different. And we began to pray, and God began to speak to the three of us. And that last night, last night during fasting prayer, Pastor Babu Cherian confirmed almost word for word what we have been praying this year. I'm telling you, friends, I'm telling you, church, from the bottom of my heart, we cannot live life like this anymore. We cannot just waste the prime years of our life doing nothing in this world. I was not brought here. You were not brought here to maintain status quo. I have been made. You have been made in heaven and brought to this earth to make a change in our generation. I want to do a risk. Take a risk. I want to do something for the kingdom of God. I want to disrupt status quo because, friends, if we don't, we will die before they ever put us in the ground. Church, there are 175,000 unreached South Asian people living in our metroplex alone. There is a mission field that is ready, ripe for harvest. Faith gives us new life to get out there. Like pastors said, let's plant new satellite churches to reach South, South Asian people. Let's start more services. Let's invite more people to become leaders. Let's raise up new pastors, new missionaries. Let's disrupt the status quo. I'm sick and tired of just hearing people preach to me, and I do nothing with it. This year, let it be different. 21 days full of faith, full of prayer, because we're going to do something with it. Amen? Don't fight the seed of faith in your life, because faith is personal, but it is never private. I'm going to invite the worship team up here as I close with this last point. In verse 29 through 42, our faith should be daring. Check out what happens to these disciples. God keeps them bold. God keeps them daring. Look what happens. They are mocked by words, but then they use words to proclaim the gospel. They have been beaten and put, and their body is full of scars, but they use their scars to preach the gospel to people. They are imprisoned, and then they get set free by the Holy Spirit, and then they teach others that they can be free. You see, it's the power of faith. Whatever the enemy used to come to destroy you, it will only destroy itself, not you. So Peter stands with the 12th in front of the most theological, most learned, most powerful, most well-known, most wealthy patriarchs and leaders of their community, the Sanhedrin. 
There he stands, and he says one of the most boldest proclamations. We must obey God than human beings. This is full faith, full stop. Such daring faith to say, I will align myself with the history of heaven. I will obey God, and I will not look to the opinions of man. Hebrews 11 is filled with their stories, one by one by one, men and women of God who said, I will obey God and not be shaped by the opinions of man. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Ruth, Deborah, Samuel, David, Elijah, Elisha, Esther, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What is one thing they all had? Faith that obeyed God fully and was not shaped by the society around them. Now Peter and, uh, and his apostles, they stand there. And I'm sure when they said that to the Sanhedrin, that place was filled with the Spirit of God. The apostles dared to stand for God. It's interesting, out of all those people listening, there was one person, one of the high priests, his name was Gamaliel, and he could sense something was happening. So he tells the rest of the high priests, hold on, hold on. It's interesting, when you stand with faith, even your haters, even your naysayers will sense your daring faith. Gamaliel said, hold on, let's wait. I believe these guys, these 12 apostles, they will amount to nothing. Because if it is mere human activity, all of this will fail. But, brothers, if they are of God, none of us will be able to stop them. We will only find ourselves fighting with God. I want to live a life so daring that the Gamaliels in my life will take notice. And they will make a wager. Let's see how this person pans out at our workplace. Let's see how this person does in our neighborhood. Let's see what he does or she does in our city. I want them to place a wager on me because it is not the faith, it is not my talents, but it is the faith in God that I have so that what we do in this life, it will last. It will give God all the glory. Watch my life as I dare to live for God, amen? Faith is personal, but it is never private. Let me pray for us. Father God, we just thank you so much, Lord. God, I pray that the word this morning, God, would go forth and that many will be able to live a faith that is demonstrated, God. That many will live a faith that is willing to disrupt things around them for new life. That many will live a faith that is daring, God. As we come before your table, Lord, help us to prepare our hearts, God, to be people of faith, that walk by faith and not by sight, Lord. As we partake, Lord Jesus, help us to fix our eyes on you, Lord. God, help not all that you invested in us the last 21 days to go to waste. Use us to change our generation. We love you and we praise you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.